It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sunday's podcast, joined by myself, Ethan Kershaw, along with Alex Mauer to bring you all things good for RSL throughout this last week. Alex, we are finally back, man, together recording a a podcast episode, and uh, just got to ask, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. I think I'm probably doing a little bit better than you are. (laughs) At least I am certainly more well-rested than uh, my counterpart over here, Ethan. There's been some pretty big life news since we've last spoke. Can you please catch us up on all things being a first-time dad and what that entails? Well, it's been so much. I I feel like I would sit here forever and and talk about that, honestly. But um, in case you you didn't know or you didn't listen to any of the last couple episodes, um, I have been on leave leave with my my, my new baby girl. Um, We, I think my wife had her August 5th, so it's been like... Uh, like a couple weeks, two, two and a half weeks or something. I just lost track of time, man. There's the day she's born. And then there's just like one big long day after that, really. (laughs) But um, like Alex said, man, I'm going to try and bring the energy to the pod today the best I can, but I'm running on like uh, not a lot of sleep and just a lot of dad duties back and forth. And so uh, it's been, I I will say it's been like the hardest, one, one of the hardest, most stressful things in my life and very difficult, but it's been like so much fun and just so rewarding and love being a dad. So uh, shout out to all you dads out there, or moms as well, that listen to the podcast. Uh, it's a tough stuff, but it's fun. Rewarding. What's the longest continuous like stretch of sleep that you've had since the birth of your child? Continuous stretch of sleep? Maybe four hours? Maybe four hours. That yeah. is... Good for you. Good for Maybe. you and good for my parents for doing that for me because, wow, I, I'm a big sleeper, so that's, yeah. that's really tough. But, Ethan, it is so great to have you back. I'm so glad we're finally doing this again together. This is great. This is just Yeah, dude. Goodness. Yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, great to talk some some more RSL stuff. Um, and we'll, we'll get a little bit into the, the episode here in a second. Um, in case you didn't know, my, my girl's name is Luciana. We named her Luciana. Um I just really like you're name. so far away ahead in the prediction it's, standings that you just felt it's probably okay to just I, I, yeah. your, your reward now. I agree. I, agree. I, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. It's funny because my wife and I spent so long trying to figure out girl names. We have a bunch of, of boy names that we really like, but no girl names. And so it took us probably like five months into the pregnancy to figure out a girl name that we actually both liked enough to name our girl that. So Luciana's the name. Uh, it's been a great ride. A lot, lot of more memories to come, but um, I'm still here on RSL Sundays, not leaving for the foreseeable future, as opposed to some that may have thought that I was like leaving for good. No, I'm still Retiring. here. Retiring. Still here. I'm staying. And I'm, I'm keeping it. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. What say you, Alex? Should we go? I think that is a tremendous idea. All right. Well, let's jump on in then. Um, let's start off with... Oh, the uh, the fun old segment of our pod trivia that has been implemented as of this season. So, Alex, 
hit me with I, the question. Yeah, yeah, I think I've kind of already got you on the ropes in your current like mental emotional state, considering it's, you're, it's you're asleep. But uh, this one, yeah. this one's a simple fifty-fifty. So you okay. got a good shot here. Who has logged more minutes for Real Salt Lake in twenty twenty-two? Bodie Hidalgo or Diego Luna? No. Uh, you're gonna bait me in this one. Hold on. Wait, wait. wait. Is it like regular season? Yep, regular season, 2022, okay. no preseason, no none of that, no friendlies, nothing of that sort. Just straight no U.S. Open Cup? No U.S. Open Cup, just okay. MLS minutes, baby. Not that there you're were ba- very many U.S. Open Cup minutes to go around this season, but I digress. Yes. I feel like you're baiting me. I feel like almost every time you try and bait me on these questions to try to get me to go one way, like, I want to say Diego Luna because, like, Oh, it's Diego Luna. Like, he should have more minutes than Bodie Hidalgo, but I'm going to say he doesn't. I'm going to say Bodie Hidalgo has more minutes. Ah, the old double back. I got you. <laughs> Diego Luna was indeed the correct answer with 89 minutes played. Bodie Hidalgo has 53. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was pretty close there, unfortunately. Unfortunately close, I think. But yeah. uh, good work, Ethan. You almost had it, but you you, you overthought. You overthought, buddy, because you think I always try to trick you, and I don't. I just sometimes uh, my- try to trick you. My mind is mush right now, so you can't blame me. Sorry, uh, everyone out there who's listening. But I hope you all did better with that pod trivia question than I did. So um, we'll move on to uh, our next segment, Monarch Minute. Talking about the Monarchs. Alex, i got to be honest with you, man. It's been hard for me to keep up with the Monarchs. I've been keeping up with the first team pretty well. But I hope that you have kept up with the Monarchs because we need to fill our Monarch Minute with something. Well, boy, howdy, have I ever. The Real Monarch signed former Academy goalkeeper Fernando Delgado. Delgado is just 16 years old, and if you take good notes during Monarch's minutes, you'll recall that last season he became the youngest goalkeeper to debut for a professional team at 15 years and two months old. He is eligible for both the U.S. and Mexico national teams. And if you take great notes during Monarch's minutes, you'll remember that the real, uh, wow, the real, the Real (laughs) Monarchs actually filed a police report on Delgado's behalf last season after he was involved in an on-field skirmish against Austin. Austin FC, in which he was pretty clearly punched in the face. So that's pretty interesting. The Monarchs also played tonight or last night, whenever you listen to this, uh, against Minnesota United 2. And if I check the live standings right now, it is in the 95th minute and it is tied 1 1 from a goal off of a Tyrone Mondi strike. So hopefully the Monarchs can catch something there to get back in the right direction. With only five games left in their inaugural MLS Next Pro season, you've only got a limited amount of time to watch some of these up and coming guys. So get to it. Or save yourself the time and the effort and uh, don't because, man, those broadcasts are hard to watch. But, Ethan, that is all I have for the Monarchs Minute. And unless there is something you would just love to add, I think that's all we got. It's fantastic. Well done. I could barely Thank keep you. up. Thank you. But uh, I feel like you got that in under a minute. I'm not sure. Actually, we'll yeah, I'm sure. It was close. It was like a minute and 14 seconds. So it was yeah. pretty close. Monarchs got a new goalkeeper. He's played with them before. He's very yeah. young and hopefully very talented. And that's and- that. And hopefully the Monarchs could finish out the season strong and then start next season even stronger because it's kind of hard to start out next season like less strong than they started this that's year, a, really. That's a very good point. It doesn't so, really get a whole lot worse than where they were through yeah. the first like two months of the season. So yeah, yeah. they can, go, they can only the go up. Good for them. Um, I just realized that I forgot to earlier in the, the podcast drop our, our handles in case uh, in case you'd like want to follow us and in case you actually like enjoy listening to this podcast or something. But you're so inclined. I guess. <laughs> but if you, if you do enjoy listening to this podcast, we really appreciate you. We want to let you know that uh, we'd appreciate it, too, if you uh, drop a, a five star review or whatever star review you feel is necessary as well as um, just type up any of your thoughts that you feel that should be included for the podcast. Um, also, 
You can follow Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. You can follow, follow me at Ethan Kershaw nine on Twitter. Um, and then also follow the hive sports at the hive sports on Twitter. You can find all of our podcast episodes there as well on, as on our separate own channel as well, where we have all the episodes listed for you as well. That's in my bio. It's also in Alex's bio as well, I believe. So with that being said, Again, thank you all for listening. Let's get into the game review, which I know is probably why most of you are here right now and why most of you listen. Ah. I'm still shocked that people actually listen to us, man. But like, let's go ahead. Let's, blows, let's get, let's get into it. Week. Blows my let's mind every week. It. And what else blows my mind every week is how we continue to see home results just slip through our fingers yep. here at Real Salt Lake. And once again, this has happened to us at home. And this time it is against the Vancouver Whitecaps. The Vancouver Whitecaps and Real Salt Lake played to a 1-1 draw in Sandy with goals coming from Sergio Scordova and Julian Gressel for the Whitecaps. It was a, is this fair to say, a pretty boring first half and then a pretty not fun second half? Is that fair? Yeah. I don't know. The first half was kind of a slog. Not a whole lot of shots on goal. Second half, Sergio Cordova scores with goals coming from Sergio Cordova, and Sergio's goal was uh, it was really nice actually yeah. for a for a podcast that has not been on the Sergio Cordova hype train as much or as often as perhaps some others. This was one where we've got to kind of accept uh, a little bit of crow here, and it is some of the most fun and exciting crow to eat i don't know is any crow better than another i don't know but it was a great goal and he's starting to really look like a mls highly paid i would call him a dp but he's not really a dp striker it looked it was a really good finish i mean he got in behind on the back shoulder of the center back a wonderful wonderful ball from jasper loffelson just perfectly weighted makes a man miss and slots at home and he now has three goals in his last three games which is just just so unbelievably exciting and He's starting to really seem like he's found his groove. You know, maybe the old adage of players need half an MLS season to adjust is accurate in this case. I still don't love that excuse, but I do think he has come a very long way. And I think part of that is switching him from a winger to a more out and out number nine striker sort of position. And I think he's probably just starting to really find his footing there. But it's weird because he still continues to kind of miss the easy chances, and now he's just scoring the more difficult ones, which is a whole can of worms, I think. But yeah, so he scores, and then in the sixty or the eighty-seventh minute, sorry, after one Eric Holt was brought on to help shore things up defensively, he gets absolutely dunked on, and Julian Gressel jumps just right over him and puts it in the back of the net with his head, and then celebrates in the northeast corner. And it was really hard to watch. The next few minutes, Arsa really couldn't create much of anything seeing as vancouver was just really bunkering and that is how things would end the mls western conference standings are now as such with rsl sitting in fifth place on 38 points and vancouver in eighth on 34 remember the playoff line is right at seven so vancouver is on the outside looking in and rsl things get a little bit tighter than they probably should be ethan what were some of your biggest takeaways from this match? And who was your who was your man of the match, if you had to name one? Because I think this was a it was a fairly interesting game on both sides of the ball for that. Well, um, hmm. where to start? Where to start on this one? There's a lot of things to get into, obviously. Um, I want to mention real quick that Eric Holt and Julian Gressel are actually the same height as 6'1", which I don't know if you'd think that when you saw them necessarily, but it's interesting because Eric Holt is a center back. Like that, that guy is paid to head the ball out to clear stuff, like to clear balls that come in. And Julian Gressel, if you've ever watched Julian Gressel often throughout the league, he's not known for heading 
like goals in. He's he's more of like a pure scorer, and he almost scored a I believe it was a folly earlier in this game too, where it was, he just it was absolutely disgusting. hit it, and it was a great save by McMath as well. But um, Gressel known for more of like a like a scorer with his feet, not really as, as much as of of his head. So it's really interesting that Eric Holt just completely just. He, he got destroyed on that play. Like, I don't know. He was like backpedaling or he just like kind of got lost in it. I don't know. He just, he did not stay with Julian Gressel. Gressel scores. That's devastating. Um, you hear in the post game press conference from Justin Merrim, who he gets interviewed and you can just, you can see the defeat on his face. And he just says, yeah, this one sucks. Like it feels really bad right now. Like everyone's feeling it. It's crazy and mind blowing to me. that RSL continues to drop points at home as of late, I believe over the last five games, I think they have, what is it, one win, one win, two draws, and two it's, losses. Yeah, it's not good. From old Matt Montgomery, he says nine points from the last seven home games and four points from the last five road games. So it has been it's been a fairly brutal stretch for RSL. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about that goal. Um, I think I think Sergio Cordova did a fantastic job with his patience on that play. Um, man, there's so many... Yeah, you know, so let's, let's, get into the, let's get into the court of goal because I think it's, I don't know if you listened to the episode last week, as you mentioned, you've been fairly yeah. busy with this thing called a newborn baby. But I asked our two wonderful co-hosts, our guest co-hosts, if Sergio Cordova gets to 12 goals to end the year, do you yeah. re-sign him as a designated player for Real Salt Lake? Or maybe not even designated player. Do you re-sign him on his current salary number of like $750,000 if he gets to 12 goals by the end of the year. And now he's, I mean, so he's at seven, sound, right? He's at seven goals right now yeah. with what? Six or seven games to play. I think there's five or six, actually. I think there's no, seven, six or sure. six. There's six. Let me vet that real quick. Schedule one, two. Oh, you're probably right. Six, seven, eight. Oh, there's eight. Okay. There's, I think there's seven. Cause one of those is that sneaky little friendly against Atlas. No way. No, there's eight. We got yeah, Dallas, Minnesota, so eight goal, or eight games to get five more goals. If he gets to that number, do you think RSL re-signs him on his current salary charge of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? You think about five goals in eight games, and like that's not. I mean, it's like it's it's like kind of mid, but like I know. I feel like I feel tough. like I feel like if you get that from a striker, like the front office would be like, oh, like oh, he scores goals, like five goals in eight games. Like if he's getting one per game then maybe you're just like, he's consistent-ish, or he got consistent at the end of the season, and maybe you re-sign him. But, I mean, I, uh, man, I, know, his, I don't even know where I land on it. I, 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 think, think, it's, I think it's a really interesting question that they're probably going to have to answer because yeah. it doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. He he looks really comfortable. I mean, the goal, I hate, I hate the old cliche of like a striker just needs to see one hit the back of the net to really like turn things around. Yeah, because so. then you get into the space where we play Sergio Cordova for like 15 games in a row and he gets like, <laughs> you know, what, one, two goals. And so like, yeah. I don't love that side of it either, but I don't know, maybe there is some truth to it because he surely does seem to be much more keyed in than I think he has been in the recent past. So I think, I think it's going to be a very difficult decision if he does get around double digit goals on mm-hmm. if we bring him back or not because yeah i mean i don't know that there's a purchase option but you have to assume there is and even if there's not i'm sure you could kind of make one fairly easily seeing as teams are owned by the same ownership group yeah. so i don't know i think it's really interesting but i think it's so beneficial for rsl to see sergio cordova finally hit the back of the net because now he i don't know that he's the most dangerous attacker on the field or even the second most after probably Savarino and maybe a miram or a michael chang 
but it's nice that he's not actively, you know, harming the team going forward anymore. And, you know, he still is missing shots he should probably be putting away, but at least now he's still making, you know, the more difficult ones, which is just such a strange, such a strange problem to have as a striker that you miss the sitters, but you make, you make the bangers, but so be it. It was, it was a really good goal and I'm happy to see this, see this for him. And I hope he gets to 15 because if he does, I owe Hayden Nielsen of Royal Riopod, $15, and he would have uh, deserved that if, if this comes good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would rather have you pay that out and have Sergio get up to 15 than not. But um, the Seattle game, I wasn't able to talk about that game, but that goal that he scored, if I remember right, that was the one where he kind of, like, toe-poked it. Like, it was, like, he a weak it. little toe-poke. <laughs> and then he got the ball back and scored. But, like, the, the patience that he had to get the ball back, compose himself, turn over to the side, and then score that goal – it reminds me a little bit of this one as well. The patience that he has to not just take a first time shot or or just kind of dribble and straight like shoot it through. He, he kind of steps back, takes a dribble to the side, and then he puts it away past the goalkeeper. Um, I I think I, I wonder if it's a little bit more of a patience thing. Like maybe he, when he came over to the team, he was trying to rush things a little bit, just trying to get goals, just trying to get his name on the score sheet, and it just yeah, wasn't see, I don't happening. Know that's true because he was not shooting at the time. Like remember, that, we, we had to we were that's, constantly that's being asked by Pablo to shoot more often. So maybe, maybe he was worried about shooting or something, but I, I don't know. Maybe he was like hesitant, but we just, uh, we didn't see like patience from him. Like we're seeing patience now. We're seeing him like okay. be a little more composed uh, going towards goal. Obviously not like multi-goal games here, but like a goal in each game over the last three is, is pretty good. And I, I don't know, for him to be that composed is something that we haven't seen so far. If he continues this and is continued to, and continues to be like more consistent, then maybe we could consider re-signing him at the end of the season. But um, I, I don't know. I thought this was. Pers- I, I want to yes or no, Ethan. If he gets to twelve goals on the season, do you re-sign him to a three-year contract at seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? I don't know if I'd sign him a three-year seventy-five, but um, maybe give him maybe, maybe maybe give him another year. Maybe give him another year and see if he can replicate that. If he can replicate Ethan, that, I want a yes or no. Do you sign Sergio Scordova to a three-year deal on seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year if he finishes this season with twelve goals? Mm-hmm. No. People are probably going to hate me for saying that because Cordova has been great over the last couple of games, but I, I would say I, I would say no. We've seen a lot of games from him that he's just. I understand that maybe he's getting more more confident, more patient now, but we've seen too many games where he's just given the ball away, had bad passes, bad control, and it's recency bias may help that a little bit. But I, I have concern that going forward there may be more of those games if we don't see any more of those games going forward, then re-signing him is definitely a strong possibility that I would definitely be okay with. But personally, I thought this was, and Ross uh, reminded me that, you know, this might be our, like his second best game of the season, but I actually thought this might've been his best game of the season. He played well. I didn't see many times where he gave away the ball and like bone crushing situations like he normally does up in the attack. Uh, yeah. I thought he was uh, creating space for himself, making himself big and getting into attacking spots and the, the, attacking third and so i thought he played really well in this game and sergio cordova stocks are on the up and up man uh they are they certainly we, are we, we've been so mean to him but he's he's doing better so and good you know, job I don't, sergio. Think been, I don't think we've been outright mean i think we've just been fairly yeah. accurate in our assessment of where he has been a major contributor over the course Sorry. of the season and for a lot of the time the things that have lacked in his game are those things you kind of allude to in hold up play and connecting with the rest of the attack i don't think he's been very good at that over the large course of the season but in the last three games he's been great i mean looking at the goal in uh seattle where he goes down and wins it in the corner plays it back to Savarino, combines with him there and then finds the cross in Sa- Savarino does 
to Andrew Rody. Those were some things that we just didn't see from him at the beginning of the year. And I didn't know that we ever would because it just didn't seem like he had the physical attributes to be able to control the ball in tight spaces. And it seems to be he's kind of figuring that out, which yeah. uh, which is going to be incredibly important for RSL down the stretch run. However, he was taken off in this game and he was taken off in the 83rd minute for one Eric Holt. RSL would switch to a five-man back line to try to see this game out. And wouldn't you believe it, the exact opposite occurred. And we conceded very late uh, by defending very late and getting beaten. Ethan, this is one that just frustrates me to absolutely no end because we saw this happen in Seattle a week ago. We sub Eric Holt on late to go in this five-man back line. And Seattle just absolutely pummeled us with chances for the last 15, 20 minutes in that game. And we were just incredibly lucky that Freddie Montero missed what was probably one of the easiest goals he's ever scored in his career and that Christian Roldan pulled one wide and that Jordan Morris couldn't find the back of the net. And we did the same thing. We did the exact same thing. We played a bunker ball sort of style, put everyone behind the ball and just hoped for the best. And we left nothing up top to actually threaten when we received the ball and we're looking to play forward. It's the same darn thing that happened in Seattle. If you coach scared like this, your players are going to play scared, and that invites opportunities like the one Julian Gressel got. And so for me, this game comes down to one probably pretty major coaching mistake that leads to us dropping two points at home. I don't think there's any reason not to believe that we could not have been more threatening and found that second goal in those last seven minutes instead of trying to play so unbelievably defensively and it's just frustrating because we saw this happen in seattle and then the same thing comes to fruition here except you know in seattle they just didn't find the goal so if you're looking at this game do you pin the result on that eric holt substitution and that eric holt mistake or do you think it was just inevitable and the way the team was playing vancouver was too threatening i think i pinned it on that mistake to be honest um you know Pablo makes a substitution like this every now and then. You mentioned the Seattle game. I can't remember the exact game, but there was another game earlier this season where the exact same thing happened. It's like the last 10 Colorado, minutes. Colorado, maybe? That sounds right. We're, we're up in the game, and then um, we make a defensive substitution. They score a goal tied. It was either tied or they scored two and ended up winning, something like that. But like th- these defensive substitutions are just not working for the team. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just keep working with what you have out there. And I understand trying to want to go more defensive to just see out the rest of the game. But then if you do that, if you take off an attacker, bring on a defender, that invites more pressure. That makes the team push the ball forward. They get more attacking chances. You have less less leverage up in the, the attack and stuff. And so I it's just I, I can't get behind that decision. Like I pin it on this decision absolutely for sure. And if you look at the stats in this game, You'd think the RSL dominated. It kind of felt like RSL dominated. I felt like we had tons and tons of shots, tons of opportunities, but the stats are actually super even almost all the way down. Like possession was maybe a little in favor of RSL, but other than that, man, just like almost all the stats were just straight down the middle, straight even. So it's a very frustrating goal to give up in the 87th minute and then just kind of see the rest of the game out. I felt like it was, I felt like we didn't really even try to go on and really win the game after that either like guys were standing around passing the ball around the back it's frustrating so yeah and how um, many points have we lost from a winning position this season and situations just like this you know i'm thinking of the colorado game i'm thinking of the san jose game when we could have gone out and gotten the lead early like our inability to find the second and the third goal has come back to bite us so often this season that it really frustrates me that we try to see games out by going more defensively instead of trying to push for that second goal. I truly believe if Diego Luna comes onto this game 
yes. or even like a Bodhi date, like or a Bodhi Hidalgo trying to like just anybody yeah. slightly more attacking minded mm-hmm. comes into this game. I think we can influence the game in a similar way with probably a better outcome. I think we're better. Yeah. We had a better shot at getting the second goal with more offensive minded subs than we did from keeping Vancouver off the board with more defensive minded subs, if that makes sense. And I just, as well, I don't understand Eric Holt coming into this game over Johan Kapelhoff, or I know he's not on the roster or on the bench for this one, but Haziel Roscoe. Haziel uh, Roscoe makes sense, man, but Kapelhoff Haziel was great. Haziel yeah. was so freaking good but in his appearances. He had Ka- one. Kapelhoff, man, he gave up a couple of opportunities. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah, and he scored a great Haziel. goal. He scored a great goal in Atlanta. And like Haziel, yeah, he had the New York City FC game. Everybody had the NYCFC game. I wiped that one completely yes, clean from that's everybody. True. Nobody, nobody takes the blame on that. I it, want more Haziel, dude. Inject Haziel in my freaking I know. Veins, why would you not time. put Haziel into this? Like, why Eric Holt is is the question I have. I think he had, he looked really good in that game. Was it against Minnesota or Kansas City? They all kind of yeah. blend together for me now. It was against one of those bottom feeders, I tell you. But uh, he had a couple good passes, and I think he's literally living off of those right now yeah. in, like, the coaching staff's headspace because he wasn't particularly good in Seattle. And he gets, you know, the call up again here. And I, I don't think he gets the one in the next game against Dallas. But yeah, I, it just it's, it's frustrating to me because it was the same mistakes that we saw from him, you know, kind of in Seattle looking a little bit sloppy. And we've seen other guys come in and play that spot and be – better i think johan kapelhoff deserves another look i think haziel orozco deserves another look ah and so it, it's frustrating to lose two points at home however i still think we played as you said fairly well i mean we hit the post a bunch yeah. they hit the post a bunch like there were opportunities in this one going forward and i think that for me is is the silver lining here is that the attack is starting to look slightly more cohesive yeah. In my opinion, I really like Michael Chang and Jefferson Savarino being able to find the field together at the same time because I think they're both pretty dynamic going forward. I mean, Savarino, yeah. obviously, but I think, you know, he makes clearly he makes Michael Chang a lot better, too. So I don't know. That's that's definitely the, the bright side for me here is that our attack does look to be getting better, which is good because that's probably been our low light for the season. But our defense yeah. is also kind of starting to look a little bit shakier and a little bit less certain. So yeah. I just, man, I don't really know. If you had to give us a bright side, what is it? I mean, I I like your shout about the attack. It's I'm sure you guys talked a lot about it on the podcast last week, but it's it's very impressive that this team. I don't know, man. What it, I don't know what it is about Seattle. Maybe it's that they have Rusnak now, or like half of their like front office is like from RSL originally or something. But like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, like like literally, it's so impressive that we go into Seattle and win a game there 2-1, but then it's so disappointing to come back home and just get a point against a team like Vancouver. I mean, uh, Vancouver is in the playoff race, but like, let's be honest, we probably should be putting away a, a game at home against Vancouver, and we almost did. It was just that one mistake that, le- that leads to the goal. Um, a little update real quick, just like just changing, veering off uh, of this point. Um, you mentioned the, the Monarchs game, and I was curious about it, and so I checked back. The game is over. It ended 1-1, um, so it went to penalties for an extra point. And unfortunately for the Monarchs, they scored the first penalty, but then the next three consecutive penalties were all saved by the goalkeeper. Oh, that's very <laughs> tough. So they, they lose out on that extra point. Who was um, it that scored the penalty? Oh, it's Pedro Fonseca. Good for him. Yeah. Good for Pedro Fonseca has been so he's good a, at penalties. He's a killer at penalties. I don't know that yes. he's missed one all year, and he's taken a few. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, he has. So he's been doing great. But um, I will say, on the uh, shifting back to the game, okay, we're back to the game. Aaron <laughs> Herrera, I thought, played really well in this game, honestly. Um, I thought he got down on the wing very well, and he's been doing that 
pretty well over the last couple games, I think. He's been kind of getting more into his feel, along with Cordova as well. They don't really correlate. Like, there's not, like, anything you can say that, like, there's no correlation between Aaron Herrera doing better and Sergio Cordova doing better necessarily that I've seen, but they both seem to be kind of getting more comfortable and picking up their games later now at the end of the season. And that's weird, right? Because you feel like there should be some pretty strong correlation between the two because Aaron's best attribute is getting deep and crossing in and Sergio Cordova's would, uh, you know, ostensibly be finishing those chances, but it it hasn't worked out that way this year. But I do agree with you that I think Aaron Herrera and Sergio Cordova, yeah, kind of at the same time, had really turned a corner and their form has improved drastically over the last month, three games maybe. No, four games I think is fair, but it's... It's, it's very nice to see, and it gives me hope that, you know, Bobby Wood seems to be just about a week or two away, that hopefully, you know, another striker option up front gives yes. somebody an opportunity to finish these chances that Aaron Herrera is creating, creating. but because I just don't know that it's it's going to be Sergio Cordova. He's just seeing, he's seemingly getting his chances from deep balls from the midfield, but also, I mean, I think we have to talk about how great both passes from Jefferson Savarino and in this game, uh, Jasper Loffelson were into Sergio Cordova. I mean, those were absolutely pinpoint accurate. Jasper in this game, th- that's got to be the, the best pass of his MLS careers. Yes, far, for which, sure. Which feels absolutely. pretty pretty definitive. And perfect. It was, it was freaking awesome, man. And him yeah. and Pablo Ruiz still don't seem to have the partnership that I thought they would at this point in the year. I really thought that at this juncture of the season, those two would be like kind of locked in step side by like just understand each other on a chemistry level a lot higher than I think they do. I still don't know that that partnership makes a whole lot of sense. I think both of them like to get forward a little more often than comfortable for this team because it it does seem to kind of leave spaces in behind. And Pablo Ruiz is just not the defensive guy that I think we all defensively. Yeah. We all kind of assumed he was going to turn into and I think that's okay. I think going forward, yeah. he's strong enough that he can still have a really successful, you know, career and become, you know, a really great player for this team. But I don't think he is the defensive midfielder that we all thought he was going to be. And I hope that means that like a Brian Ojeda is going to be, because if not, I don't know how this team really stacks up against better opponents. Cause I think if you're going for a more defensive LAFC. look, exactly. I, I, I'm literally thinking about LAFC in the playoffs. Like how do you, set up this lineup to compete with a team like that. Cause I don't think you have the defensive midfielders on the roster to do it. And I don't, I'm sorry, think- I don't know if anybody does at this point, like LASC. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's very fair, but I just don't but know yes, that I, those I, two are they're, they're chemistry might not be great, but like they're, they're great players in their own right. But like, you're right. Their chemistry they is are. Like, it, yeah. It still just like doesn't quite enough, feel yeah. like they totally fit. And maybe that comes down to the fact that RSL's whole identity isn't really easy to dissect on the whole. And so maybe that makes it more difficult to try to understand the nuances of, you know, individual partnerships within the team, but it just doesn't feel like they fully get the balance in those spots. And I'm hoping that that's something that changes sooner rather than later, because as you know, as I've been saying, I don't know who is on the roster that can do that. I don't know that Scott Caldwell's, you know, rangy enough to use a, a cliche term to cover enough ground. And I just don't know who you put back there. And I don't know how you change the shape up anymore. You know, I was dying for the three four three. Now I still, now, I mean, with Sergio Cordova's kind of resurgence, I guess, well, it's not really a resurgence. It's more of just a surgence. But uh, I don't know who you take off in that midfield because I also want Diego Luna in there so bad. 
I feel like we need to find a way to get Diego Luna minutes. And I was gonna, I was gonna save this for maybe a little bit later, just because I, you know, I really wanted to to spend some time on Diego Luna. But man, ninety or eighty nine minutes in this MLS season is not is not good enough for yeah. a young, really dynamic player, really hyped player. And not that you should just play players because of hype, but I don't. I wonder if he's doing things wrong in training to not you know, earn minutes in what would be a really favorable opportunity for him to come in up one zero against a team that played midweek on tired legs playing at altitude. That feels like the perfect moment for Diego Luna to get into this game and to try to go snatch his first MLS goal. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. What do you see being the pathway for minutes for Diego Luna? Or does it just come down to the fact that again, RSL seems to not be a very good club at playing the kids. Is it that, or is it just that he's, you know, this is special circumstances. I think it's that at times. I mean, we're, we're talking about Haziel too, and like Haziel deserves time. He played great, and then we just don't hear from him at all. And I understand that guys are healthy. Like, you're not going to start him over Justin Glad or Marcelo Silva, but maybe give him some time late over Eric Holt, especially now considering that Holt gives up that goal. Like, play the kids every now and then. It, it depends on the situation. Every now obviously. and then, play them all the time. Not all of them, though. Come on. There's, there's <laughs> some of them, that, them all the time, but get Diego Luna on yes, the field, man. Yes, I agree. I agree. Diego Luna's uh, he's passed the eye test so far in all the time that he's played. He's looked very good. I would love to see him get a start in league play, but I just don't think that Pablo's going to do that. And maybe it's his inexperience on the MLS, on MLS level, or maybe it's just like... I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. But I caught you. Or I um, just saw that you I, caught I, yourself. I just I, I think that he does deserve more minutes. He definitely does. But is Pablo going to give them to him? That's the question. Like Pablo yeah, has this. That's what I'm asking you. I'm how what has to happen for Diego Luna to see minutes? Is it like an injury? Unfortunately, to to somebody is it? Yeah, because it's, it's, it's an injury. What it is like? It's the, an injury. There's or he has no to play another opportunity for him to get minutes than up a, or up a goal yeah. at home against a tired team. Like it's it's an injury. There, it's an injury or it's. Another three years' experience in MLS play before he yeah, starts or, seeing the field. We're probably down like three that. goals like, at halftime in Dallas. That's what it feels like. It feels like he's only yeah. going to come into games when we're chasing them. And I don't think. Yes. Like, I, it, or the game's it, gone. It feels, yeah. yeah. It feels like they're trying to kind of almost coddle him in a way and yeah. try to keep him from like high pressure minutes. Not great. They just do that by throwing him into like dead rubber minutes. And, I, and yeah. I hate it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, this was the moment. This was the moment to throw him in. Why is Scott Caldwell coming in for Jasper Loffelsund instead of a uh, Diego Luna? Like, you tell Pablo to just play fully defensively and let Diego kind of roam a little bit. You change it maybe up to more of a diamond. And he gets free reign in a game where he's going to go up against a tired defense that played midweek at home up a goal. Like, it ah, it, it drives me so crazy because it's we've seen this. Yeah. We've seen this from RSL. They are not... They are reluctant to play the kids, especially in like important minutes. I think we yeah. saw it with Haziel. I think Haziel played only because it was a real like breaking case of emergency sort of situation with the injuries at center back. And yeah. as soon as he, despite playing well, as soon as those guys came back, he was immediately sent back down to the Monarchs. And I don't understand that. Why? Do, yeah. What more do you have to see? He succeeded at the MLS level. Continue to play him there until maybe he proves that he can't or I just give him minutes sporadically throughout the season that Eric Holt is seeing. It's, it's frustrating. They, yeah. the team just does not seem fully invested in the idea of being an Academy selling team. You see this. I mean, I know I bring it up so often, but the, with, with the Philadelphia's and the Dallas's of the world, 
I mean, look at Ricardo Pepe comes in as a sub, you know, USU 20, scores a bajillion goals, gets sent on, and then Jesus Ferreira comes up, scores a bajillion goals, will probably be gone very soon. And there's going to be a next man up sort of mentality. And there's just not that here. It is, there has yet to be an RSL homegrown, Sands, maybe Justin Glad, that has made himself as permanent a starter, not due to injuries than just about anybody else. I mean, we see it. Brody only came in and played because Aaron went down in a game. Aaron only came in and played because there's just nobody else at right back because Tony Beltran goes down. It's, yeah. it's, it's frustrating. It's it. I want to see them make the conscious decisions to play young MLS, young Academy players with then the goal to be to develop them and sell them on because clearly, you know, the funds aren't going to just come from the ownership group. They're not just going to spend a million dollars on this team just to spend it. And so the only way to like help spend more money is to make more money. And the best way to do that is to create assets worth selling. And I feel like Diego Luna is that asset. And until we really see him on the field, it's just going to continue to be his U.S. youth national team hype that really drives him. And that's frustrating to me because I think he could be a very key player for this team. Elliot Fall even mentioned him as like kind of a summer signing because he came so late in the winter window and he was really getting his feet underneath him. But how, how can I believe you? How can I believe you see him as an important summer signing if he doesn't even make the field in an, yeah. in an incredibly favorable matchup? So that's, you know, if there was the silver lining earlier about the offense really kind of coming together, this is the, the, the other end of that coin and or the other side. And it's Diego Luna not getting minutes. And it's really frustrating to me. Yeah, the not silver lining. I agree. Um, it, Diego Luna does need more minutes. We're not sure if he'll get played, but... Um, I want to end on this game just talking about a couple of guys, a couple of things that I saw that I really like. You mentioned the Jefferson Savarino shot that was amazing. I thought Thomas Hassall, the goalkeeper for Vancouver, actually played very well in this game. Um, so props to him because there were a couple of times where shots probably should have gone in, but he made incredible saves to stop them. Um, I, I think that Pablo Ruiz had a couple of really amazing passes in this game. We're seeing this now from him in, in games at times where he's just got the ability to, like, full field just have a nice amazing cross ball that like ends up right at the, the, the attacker so um he did he had the the, the pass in this game to michael chang down the field chang chases it down it didn't really lead to much but um you know it was a great ball nonetheless and probably Ruiz. he's been playing great um you mentioned lawfulson amazing game from him and you got a feel for marcel marcelo silva and justin glad i thought they played great defensively the entire game and then Eric Holt comes in and just kind of ruins the clean sheet for him. So that was a little <laughs> unfortunate, but that's all I have to, Oh, I guess I should, I should mention Anderson. We should always mention Anderson Julio. Anderson Julio came in and played 28 minutes and I thought he looked electric and very good. He didn't have too many like chances per se, but I just, I, I like him getting time him and like he, he and Luna should get all the sub minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't early know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Why don't you but, send those two in together to really try yes. to influence the game? Right, yeah. that's, all, that's all that's all i have to say yeah that's yeah, all i have I to agree. say on this game I Alex, I really, looked really good he had the one really good run up the right hand side that probably yeah. should have ended in a goal but yeah unfortunately there's just not a whole lot of options off the bench for rsl i mean you look at rubio rubin anderson julio just those two guys have not been effective nearly you know close enough to the levels that they were at last year mm-hmm. and if you refuse to bring on diego luna there's just nobody else on that bench to positively impact the game offensively and, you know, frankly, maybe we see even defensively. So that's kind of the bummer for me. One point is still better than none, but at home against a Western Conference team breathing uh, down our necks uh, in the standings, it's it's frustrating. And I think people are 
valid to be upset at the result and frustrated with the result. And man, it is going to be a very, very tight playoff race, Ethan. Yep, RSL needs to do better and they need to step up to the occasion. We will see if they do that. No news and notes really to mention for this week, so we will jump into our game preview for this week. Alex, RSL, please. Plays against FC Dallas at 7 p.m. on Saturday, August 27th. This game is in Dallas, so it is an away game. Um, Be sure to tune in on the broadcast. If you can go to Dallas, that'd be awesome, too, in Texas. But if you're not able to, make sure to watch the game. It'll be a really interesting one. Uh, Dallas currently sits right now third place in the standings with 42 points, just four points ahead of Real Salt Lake. They need this game as much as, as Real does to be able to stay competitive in the playoff race. Like, if they win this game, three points does a lot for them. It puts them in a really good spot. So, you know they're going to be going all out for this game. RSO really needs to get, I would say, at least a point in this game. Like, a win would be fantastic, amazing. But they need to draw at least to get a point in this game, get something out of this one, because points have been very tough to come by for RSO as of late. Um, I, like, as much as I want to predict a good positive scoreline in this one i don't know if i can i want to give you the opportunity to say, stake, stake your claim for the the uh the uh score that. prediction first because, because i don't want you to like have to piggyback off me so yeah. you go ahead tell me what you because predict for the score alex i think? am a heavy underdog dallas is a really tricky one to predict i mean they, they won two of their last five but one of those was against league or i guess east leading philadelphia and yes, then they got absolutely curb stomped by Nashville in Nashville just tonight. Uh, Four zero away games though. Away games. Yeah. They've they've um they've won their last three home games in a row, and they beat RSL at home at RSL last game they played them. So I guess form's a fickle beast, and I guess home form probably is you know more meaningful here. So it you know RSL also has historically not been great in Dallas, but yep. they did win there last year, so maybe there's something to be said about times a change in but yeah man i really don't know uh, yeah dallas sits in third on 42 points rsl in fifth at 38 so it would be great to go out there and win again like we did last year uh, but i just don't see it man I, I i went to i went to wendover I, I i went to wendover on saturday and that's why we couldn't record last night because uh, <laughs> i was busy betting on rsl and despite predicting a draw in uh, you know our this wonderful podcast last week, I actually bet on an RSL win, and lo and behold, they go out and Eric Holt you know concedes a goal in the 87th minute, and I lose out, and that was a huge bummer. <laughs> but I I really do want to predict a win here because it does sound do really it. fun. Do it. Uh, Say it with and, your chest. And so you know what? Because of that, I'm going to predict an RSL 3-1 loss. <laughs> I, think, I think we are going to be incredibly lucky to come out of Dallas with absolutely anything. Uh, yeah, they scare me, man. This is, this is not a good matchup for us. Dallas is a pretty good team. I think Nashville getting that win is, you know, honestly even worse for us just because they are right behind us in the standings now. I don't know. I, I predict a loss. I predict a 3-1. I just don't see us keeping them off the board for a full 90 minutes. Yeah, and you mentioned their home form is pretty scary. So, yeah, and, you know, our history in Texas isn't great. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I don't – man. Do I really? Th- yeah, I really do think it's going to be three one. I, I stand yeah. by that. That's my prediction. I mean, that's a, a great prediction. I not a great prediction. That is a logical prediction. Um, <laughs> I want RSL to win this game, but the last time they played Dallas was at home at Rio Tinto, and they they couldn't do it. They lost the game one zero and off a goal from Jesus Ferreira. And Jesus Ferreira has been a, a clinical striker for Dallas the entire season. 
He's only 21, which is crazy and mind-blowing to me, but Jesus Ferreira, I, I think, probably scores in this game again. Like, I, I just... This team looks very good when they played us at home, so it worries me when we go on the road. Now, RSL is kind of a weird anomaly team at times where they can go on the road like Seattle and, and win a game, yeah. so maybe they win this game. But I'm going to have to agree with you. I think they lose this game. I'm going to say maybe it's not as bad. Like, maybe we get a goal from, like, a random Sergio Cordova type thing again, or or something like that, and we lose this game 2-1. to one. Um, So, I will say maybe one goal less on the Dallas side. Um, just trying to be a little more positive, but I I, I feel very good yeah. about your 3-1 um, prediction on that one. That's a very now, good... Now that we both said it, of course, they're going to go out and they're going to win the game. They're like going to win. They're going to win. Or something crazy like that. Which is but, great. So, yeah. I still I'm, I'm glad that we won in Seattle, but, but man, am I happy about yeah, it. That insane. was so fun. That was so yeah. fun. That was great. Um, my player to watch in this game, I, I said Sergio Cordova, I think, is going to get the goal, which go ahead and watch him, and that might be your guy, but... Um, not, my friend. Well, that is great. That is great. My guy to watch... You go ahead and say your guy. I'm still deciding. My mind's too fried right now, and I haven't had enough sleep. So <laughs> you go ahead and let us know who your guy is to Mine watch. Mine is Diego Luna. It's Diego Luna. Fingers. I think... Yep. He's poised for a start in this game. I think we've finally kind of hit maybe our ceiling in this flat 4-4-2, so maybe it's time to change things up. Pablo has shown to be incredibly fluid with formations this season. We've seen a lot of different looks from him, including a three-man back line. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't going to say it, but I would love to see a 3-4-3 with maybe him and Pablo Ruiz in the midfield. I doubt we see that, but it would be really fun, or maybe even throw him on a wing. But I do think he starts this game as has been pointed out Justin Miriam is playing like a career most minutes this season and he's not getting any younger so if he could use a spell now would probably be the time and I think Diego Luna could fill in for him on that left wing so he's going to be my guy to watch I think he probably comes away with an assist in this one and I would love to see him do more than that but yeah he's going to be my guy to watch hopefully you get to watch him for a long stretch of time and not a very short stretch of time but I guess we will see it is it's not up to me, unfortunately, folks, but uh, he's my one to keep an eye on. Ethan, have you settled on a guy yet? I have. Um, I think that Diego Luna's probably going to end up coming in for this guy. You mentioned his name briefly, and it got my mind thinking, and I thought, yeah, why not? Like, this guy's looked good. Paulo Ruiz is my one to watch for okay. this game. Okay. I thought you were just um, he's, he's had shots from outside of the box that have been getting closer, and he's had very good passes, so I think that he makes a difference in this game. He's probably going to be the guy that is some, in some way, shape, or form a contributor for the goal in this game, whether or not be that he takes the ball off a defender or that he has a critical pass in the buildup. Um, I think that he's been playing well enough to warrant a one to watch for this week for me. So I think Paulo Ruiz has a really good game, contributes to the goal, but I think RSL loses this game 2-1. to one. Um, Before we end on kind of this game preview... I guess this is kind of that's kind of it for me. I guess on the game preview, I wanted to look ahead at the the rest of the schedule and ask the uh, the fun question that that's been starting to go around on RSL Not Twitter is, is does this team make the playoffs? So I don't think um, they do. I mean, I'll just answer. Okay. I'll just answer yeah, your question right off the bat. I think the schedule's. I think the schedule's really brutal. I think it's tough. You yeah. Predict probably a loss in Dallas, which I don't think you know is is crazy. We both just did it, so clearly it's possible. And then you come home to play a Minnesota team that just beat second best in the West, Austin FC. Yep. You then have to go play in LA against LAFC. Let's just chalk that one up as a loss now. Yes. You've got to come <laughs> home to play DC United with probably Christian Wait. Benteke and David Ochoa, which is going to be a whole like can of worms in and of itself. Oh. What were you saying? I was just going to say, like, 
the game for LAFC is September 4th. What if? What if? What if? Because we've already seen Bale and Chiellini not play due to load management. What if we see a bunch of other guys not play due to load management? They're, they're so far ahead awesome, in the standings. And then we're, and then we're still going to lose. And then you have to go play Austin in yeah. the road or on the road in Texas. Then you've got to come home to Cincinnati, which is decent. And then you've got this stupid friendly against Atlas. And then right after that, you've got to go play LA galaxy in LA and then home to Portland who, you know, consistently give us fits. It's a brutal schedule. It's really, really tough. And RSL has not done well against teams above the playoff line. And I just don't know that. I don't know that. I just don't know that we've seen anything that really indicates that's going to change anytime soon. I, I, it was really optimistic after the Seattle win until like the 80th minute when we were just conceding chance after chance after chance after chance. And we probably were extremely lucky to get out of there with a point, let alone all three. And I just don't know that, I don't know the X dog days of summer are over and it just feels like we've kind of been exposed for what we are, but I don't know, man. I, but cause also at the same time, like we probably should have beaten Vancouver by like multiple goals. If we could just, you know, hit the back of the net and not the post a couple times, but I don't think we make the playoffs. I think the teams behind us are, you know, kind of catching fire a little bit. You look at a Nashville and the galaxy. I, I still trust Seattle to figure it out, even though, you know, their, their points per game indicates they probably won't. I still think Portland will probably make a run. And if it comes down to a decision day game, I don't love our odds against the Timbers because they just, man, they beat it's us. at home. It's it is at home. At home at least. I've, I've, I've been yes. lied to before about home form. So, I just don't know. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a very very tight stretch and it wouldn't also like shock me if a team like a Minnesota starts to drop too and then it just makes things even more clogged for that 7 seed. So, but at the same time we're talking like we could be looking at a home playoff game with a 4 seed if so if things go right. So, I don't know. I predict I, I predict no playoffs, but that's also just how I mentally, you know, keep myself going every day is it's just more exciting when we do than when we don't. So, it's just yeah, surprise if we do. Ethan, do you foresee the playoffs in RSL's future? Okay, so what I'm about to say is probably controversial because there's a lot of people out there. Majority of people probably think that at this point RSL's not going to make the playoffs, especially given some of the I recent that's results. True. I think I think it's probably fair to say it's probably it's probably like a fifty fifty split. I bet we are right on the okay. like we're right in line to be very very close to either making it or not making it. So I think okay. it's go either way. Here's my thing. Let me try and make my case best I can. So I was going to say originally, no, they aren't going to make the playoffs. But here's the thing. Throughout the, the last like 12 or however many games we've just been getting crappy results for, you always feel like RSL's dropping points. And then you look at the standings and you're expecting to see RSL lower in the standings than they are. And they're always just sitting there fourth or fifth. And it's like, how is this happening? So it's, it's other teams that aren't also getting results that are kind of in that same playoff race with us. So if you're looking at the standings right now and you notice games played, RSL has 26 games played. Teams that also are in the playoff race around the same amount of points that they have but are still under them with that same amount of games played are Colorado Rapids and Seattle um, in 11th and 9th place, respectively. So um, the teams with a game ahead of RSL are Nashville and Vancouver and Portland. So Nashville's 6, Vancouver's 8, Portland is 10th. And then you've got the Galaxy that have a game in hand over RSL. Only 25 games played up to this point. They've got an extra game. So seven teams get into the playoffs. Um, is it, is it, I always forget. Is it LAFC this, that would get a bye if they had, they ended yes, in the first yeah, seed? Yeah, top seed so they would get a bye. Austin FC would play against us potentially if we got the seventh seed, right? Which like, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. I, I hope the RSL does better, but 
at the rate things are going, I think that RSL has a legitimate shot to get the seventh seed. They get the seventh seed, they play Austin. That's not a great matchup, but at least we get a playoff game, you know. But if you're looking at the schedule for RSL, I agree it is difficult, but they need to win their home games. Uh, Minnesota is going to be a tough one, but they play DC United. DC United is the worst team in the East. There's going to be a bunch of things like you mentioned there with David Ochoa, Christian Pateke, but I think we can win that game. I really do think we can win. It's a home game. Um, then we play Cincinnati. I think we can beat Cincinnati at home. Portland is going to be the toughest home game as it's the last one of the season. Portland probably trying to get a playoff spot at that point as well. But I think that we can beat them. Now, LA Galaxy on the road, we lose. LAFC on the road, we lose. Austin, we lose on the road. Like, our, our away games really suck at this point in the season. Dallas, like, they're <laughs> terrible. They're <laughs> terrible yeah, games. It's really, it's really bad. <laughs> Seattle was a terrible away game. We it somehow was. pulled out a result it there. Was. So maybe we, we pull out another result at some point there as well. Minnesota, I'm not super confident, but that could be the uh, kind of the tipping point game. If we pull out, like, maybe a point in that game, I think we can still make it. So if you're looking now at the schedules for the other teams that are in the race right below us. I'm not going to talk about the, the schedules about the teams above us. Let's just assume that Dallas, Minnesota, Austin, they all just make the playoffs ahead of us. Um, I think Galaxy make the playoffs. You look at their schedule, and it's like pretty easy, and they've got an extra game in hand. Like They have a couple of difficult games, but it's really not that bad. Like It's a, it's a pretty cake schedule for them. I would say LA Galaxy probably ends up in fifth, where we're at right now. And then I think Seattle gets the other spot at the sixth spot. Um, Seattle has the same amount of games left as RSL, but their schedule looks pretty soft as well. They've got Austin at home, which it isn't, isn't a great matchup. But other than that, like the rest of the teams aren't really super playoff contention-y per se. Um, and then let's look at Vancouver though. So Vancouver does have a, another an extra game played on top of RSL. Vancouver in the ninth spot right now. They play Nashville for the next game. Nashville, the team right below us. So they're going to have to play each other. One team's going to drop the points somewhere or lose points at some point. But they've also got to play uh, the LA Galaxy. Like, the end of their schedule is tough. LA Galaxy at home. Seattle Sounders at home. Austin FC at home. On the road to Minnesota. Those last four games are brutal for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So I'm going to say they're out. Look at Nashville. Nashville's right below us. But Nashville's schedule, man, tough one. Uh, they play the, the Vancouver Whitecaps next, obviously. But... And there's the the Crapids, which Giants are in the playoff for MLS, Vancouver Whitecaps. But look at this end of the season schedule as well for Nashville. Austin FC at home and away. They've played Austin FC twice. LA Galaxy, who's right in the mix as well. Uh, Dynamos, they'll probably win the Dynamo game. But <laughs> yeah, it's they, gonna be it's gonna be really tight. They, yeah, they end the season at LAFC. Like that is a tough schedule for Nashville. So I don't think Nashville makes it. I don't think Vancouver makes it. Let's check out Portland. Portland. Look at their schedule. Seattle Sounders, Austin, Atlanta, Minnesota, Columbus, LAFC. Those are all very tough games. And then they end with us. So, like, they may be out of playoff contention by the time they're facing us and just be playing for pride, which is is dangerous, but um, something that we can do our best to be. And then Colorado Rapids, I mean, they're they're chilling there. They're still still in it. I think Philadelphia. forget about Colorado. Oh, you should. You should. Philadelphia Union, Nashville, they've got to play LA Galaxy. Vancouver, Austin, Dallas, like... Yeah, it's brutal. I personally look at other team schedules, and while RSL's schedule is very difficult, other teams have very difficult schedules as well. Yeah. Let's be positive about this. RSL can make the playoffs. I think they get the seventh seed and make the playoffs this year. That is the end of my schedule slash playoff rant. It'll probably not happen, but... Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Maybe so I'm just RSL's going to make the playoffs because other teams aren't going to capitalize on their offering. And hey, it's better to be lucky. You make your own luck. And we got to this point in the season with the <laughs> we have because we played well. 
in some adverse conditions. So you know what? We deserve it. You're right, Ethan. We should be positive. RSL is going to make the playoffs and probably win MLS Cup and probably Champions League <laughs> and then bomb out in the U.S. Open Cup in the first round to a team playing their third ever competitive match on the road from a third division side. So, yeah, I think that's probably the way that things go down. Anything uh, anything left this week, man? Alex, I am out of, of ideas and content for stuff for this week. We will get to it next week where we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, because um, I believe that on the 31st, it's a, it's a Wednesday, so a week and a half. So next week we'll have two games to, to talk about, I guess. Love we'll have it. two Lucky games to preview. Us, man. Wednesday Lucky game. us, man. So, Lots of stuff to talk about next week. Alex, is there anything else you want to finish us out with on the podcast? I desperately hope we make the playoffs. Same. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Go ahead and bet on RSL to make the playoffs, Alex. Go to Wendover and and bet on them. (laughs) I went 0 for 4 on MLS bets. I went on all the road road underdogs in the East, and not a single (laughs) one could come through for me. I did not. I really Uh, underestimated how good that Montreal team is, dude. That team is... Yeah. Fun to watch, actually. They're Even good. They're good. Mihailovic, they were very yes. fun to watch. Romel Kyoto is a beast. Yeah. Um, anyways, ending on that note, not RSL related, but end, ending on that note, we will go ahead and end our episode today. Before we finish it all up, though, make sure to follow myself at Ethan Kershaw 9 on Twitter. And you can find Alex at Alex Mauer on Twitter. Also, be sure to follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports. And also, you can find our episodes on our links in our bios. Um, you can find all of our episodes for all the time that we've been recording these podcasts. It's been over a year now. Lots of success. Lots of fun. Thank you all so much for listening. We would not be able to do this and make all of this content possible without your guys' help, your continued listenership, and your, your interaction with us. We appreciate like interaction. Like If you DM us or something, we're not not going to respond. Like We want to talk <laughs> with you. We want to like you know talk with the RSL True. community. We, we love that kind of stuff. So Very make sure true. to hit us up and, and let you know. Let us know your thoughts, anything we might be able to improve on the podcast. We are so open for it all. So thank you all again for tuning in. We really appreciate your time. And next week, we will talk to you all after the game with a preview for another two games after that. Talk to you all then. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.